Well, good morning. It's good to see each of you here today. I thank you for being here. I got to thinking as we continue our series of All in the Family that I noticed on Facebook this week that there's another holiday added, the Spouses Day holiday. And if you keep up with Facebook at all, man, I don't know where all these holidays are coming from, but the, the, they're everywhere. And, and, you know, of course, everybody was wishing their spouse a happy spouse day, so I guess I better get on board with this one. So, you know, I, I looked, and, and I put something on there to this effect. You know, I don't need a holiday to tell my wife how much I love her. And, and what is amazing to me is I think sometimes we try to encourage or impress other people to what's going on in our home when actually it's, it's, it's not. And, and, and today as I talk about a continue all in the family, I want you to, again, listen to, to, to the words that's going to be read to you. I have had some feedback. I'm going to be honest with you. Song of Solomon is a graphic book. But God put it there, okay? It is a word written by Almighty God to be shared with his people that we may learn and we may grow today is no different I will read some things that may make you uncomfortable but as I as but I have as I have reemphasized many times before you need to hear what right relationships are according to God's Word not the secular world and I will not apologize for that if you have your Bibles turn with me to Song of Solomon chapter 8 Song of Solomon, chapter 8. I ask that you stand with me as we read the Word of God. Song of Solomon, chapter 8. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. I'll be focusing on 6 and 7, but I will refer back to Ephesians 5 as well. So, Song of Solomon 8, 1 through 7. Let us read together. Oh, that you were like a brother to me who nursed at my mother's breast. I found, I found you outdoors. I would kiss you. No one would despise me either. I would lead you and bring you into the house of my mother who used to instruct me, and I would give you spice wine to drink from the juice of my pomegranates. Let his left hand be under my head, and let his right hand embrace me. I want you to swear, O daughters of Jerusalem, do not arouse or awaken my love until she pleases. Who is this coming up from the wilderness? Leaning on her beloved beneath the apple tree, I awaken you. There your mother was in labor with you. There she was in labor and gave you birth. Put me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death. Jealousy is as severe as Sheol. It flashes or flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Many waters cannot quench love, nor will rivers overflow it. If a man were to give all of his riches of his house for love, it would utterly be despised. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray today that your words would be spoken, not the words of Chad, but Lord, your words, that God, you would use us for your glory, that we would teach each other and teach our families your word. We pray today that in all things you would be glorified. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Ephesians 5 tells us continually that we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church, that the wives are to be submissive to their husbands. 
And many times, many stories and many sermons will come out of that, but I want you to understand that when we hear that, I don't think that we always understand what love means. What does it mean to love your wife as Christ loves the church? What does it mean to be submissive? Because I know these are sermons where people get a little bit uncomfortable, but I found the answer that I want to share with you clearly in Song of Solomon chapter 8. What is love? Now I want to begin in context of what's going on before I get to verse 6 and 7, but I want you to read with me. Now there again, you don't understand some of this imagery. It is graphic. But I want to share with you what is happening. He says, she says, the bride, for love is... Okay, back, go back to verse 1. Oh, that you were like a brother to me who nursed at my mother's breast. If I found you outdoors, I would kiss you. No one would despise me either. You're going, ooh! What does this mean? Well, you've got to take into consideration that this is in different context than what you know today. Okay? Now... Like I said, when he was describing the Shulamite's beauty, she had probably black hair, she had dark skin, he, he told her that your hair was like a flock of goats. Do you remember this? Now, I don't think any of you would share that with your spouse because she'd be like, well, you tell me I look like a goat? But you've got to understand the goats that he was talking about were the Palestinian goats that were on the hillside that looked like a wave of blackness. It was beautiful. And he was describing imagery that is beautiful. This is what she was doing. Oh, that you were like a brother to me. Now, wait a minute. She wants him to be the brother? No. In the culture, this is where it's beautiful. In the culture back then, it was not widely accepted that men and women show public affection. But brothers and sisters would meet each other with a kiss. She desires him so much that we, she wishes and longs to show him public affection. Now listen, how many of you like showing public affection to your wife or your husband? Don't touch me. You shouldn't do that. Now there's things that we should do and we shouldn't do. But her desire is she wants the public to see that's her man. You hear me? If I found you outdoors, I would kiss you. And no would despise me either. You know why? Because it's a right relationship built on the foundation of God. We see people nowadays showing affection in public. They need to quit doing that, right? There are certain things that don't need to be done. But there's nothing wrong with holding your hand, wife's hand. You ought to do so. You don't hold your wife's hand. Come on, man, grow up. Hold your wife's hand. Amen. I'm going to tell you. Well, see, these are the things that get people upset with me, but you know what? I don't care because, because, listen, that's my wife, and I love her. And if I have to put on Facebook that I love her, then I've failed. Because people should always see that I love my wife, and she loves me, and don't have to have social media to reemphasize that. Amen? Amen. All right, well, now we're moving. No one would despise me either. I would lead you and bring you into the house of my mother who used to instruct me. Now listen. And I would give you spice wine to drink from the juice of my pomegranates. Yes, that is very graphic imagery. But let me tell you what is being said here. 
that she wants her family to know that she has an intimate relationship, her husband, the right way. Because her mother instructed her. Listen to me, ladies. You teach your girls the facts of life. Remember the song? You take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have facts of life. Remember that show? Listen to me. If you do not teach your children, the world will. It's got to stop. Because understanding, we have perverted intimate relationships. We have perverted what the marriage bed should look like. Women should teach their daughters. Men, listen to me. You teach your daughters how men should treat women. Listen to me. Please, instruct your children. There was a thing several years ago called a father-daughter's dance. Now, I've got two grown boys, 30 and 29. And we have our twins, 11-year-old twins. So I'm learning, first girl I ever had. This having a father-daughter's dance when we were pastoring in Pennsylvania. And, you know, I, I'd never been to one of these. But we dressed up. She wore a little dress, and I wore my suit, and we went to this dance. And I've seen how many fathers sit at the table while their little girls ran around. What does that say? Listen to me. The Bible tells me very clearly, you write the law upon your doors, your lentils, and you teach it to your children. There's nothing wrong with teaching your children about marriage, sexual relationships. You teach them. Because I can assure you, somebody else will. Guys, to understand getting to the context of where we're going, it begins in the home. It begins in the home. And talking about this, where she says, I would bring you into my house. I want to be intimate with you. I want my mother and family to see that I am intimate with you. Why? Because I have learned what you've taught me, that it begins at marriage. You hear me? It's the right way. His left hand under my head and his right hand embrace me. Listen, I want you to swear, O daughters of Jerusalem, do not arouse or waken my love until she pleases. Let me tell you what he's saying. True love is not to be rushed. You hear me? It's not to be rushed until it's time. What he is saying, and she is saying in this, they're rehashing what he spoke in a few chapters early. They're not young. It's not their consummation wedding night. It is an ongoing love and a remembrance of what God has planted in them. You see, what we have failed sometimes to understand again is the talk about intimate relationships in the church has become taboo because it's become dirty and filthy because the world has allowed it to be such. The Bible tells me that when he created man and woman, you heard that, that he said to be fruitful and multiply. That God created woman to be a helpmate to man. 
and that what he intended for good was tainted by sin. But let me assure you that the marriage bed is a beautiful thing, people, because it was ordained by God. Do you hear me? Are you uncomfortable? I'm not trying to make anybody uncomfortable. Listen. My job as the pastor of this church is to communicate the word of, my, the word of God to the best of my ability to you for his glory and for your growth. Which means, do I deal with stuff that is difficult? Absolutely. But I want you to understand that my job is also to make sure that the sheep are taken care of. And what God has ordained for good, man has messed up. But by following the word of God, let me tell you something. We can learn and we can grow. And you can start now. Showing your children, showing your spouse what the Word of God says a marriage should look like. Amen? Who is coming up from the wilderness leaning on her beloved? What does this mean? She's leaning upon her man. Guys, listen to this. You're to be the rock in the family. I have said this many times, and y'all know what I've talked about. If a man loved his wife as Christ loved the church, submission wouldn't be an issue, would it? Remember that? I've said that. You are the spiritual leader of your household. Period. Non-negotiable. Which means your wife, your spouse, should lean on you to help her grow. If your wife is the spiritual head of the household, get your wife right with God. Because you are the one that she is to lean on. Not only is the spiritual leader, you're the physical leader. A woman, and look, I'm not a woman. I know the difference. But I know woman want a man that knows that he will protect her and he'll give himself up for her. Am I wrong? What has happened? That we, it's not what the world says manly men should look like, but what the Word of God says manly men should look like. Be a biblical man. I want my wife to lean on me. Because I take joy and pleasure knows that she, knowing that she trusts me. Who is this coming up from the wilderness? Leaning on her beloved. Leaning on him for his spiritual maturity. Leaning on him for his strength. Leaning on him for his guidance. Leaning on him in every aspect that follows the will of the Lord. Amen. Beneath the apple tree I awakened you. There your mother was in labor with you. There, was, there she was in labor to give you birth. I want you to think about this for a few moments. Beneath the apple tree I awakened you. There your mother was in labor with you. 
He was created for a purpose, just like you are, for the glory of God. And at the right time, at the right time, God used their relationship for his glory. Listen. Oh, I love this. Put me like a seal over your heart, like a seal over or on your arm. A seal. What does love look like? Love is a seal. It is a covenant. Marriage is not just a contract. It is a covenant. I want to share this for a few moments. People, and, and, and there again, you can disagree with me, that's fine. But I want you to understand, when people come to me and say, Chad, will you marry me? I have a few rules to marriage. Number one, you must be a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, both of you. Non-negotiable. Number two, you have to meet with me three times. Non-negotiable. And number three, I reserve the right to say no. That has not always gone over well, like a lead balloon. But let me un let you understand something from my perspective. As a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I know how sacred a marriage is. And I'm not putting my name on anything that I don't think is to the Lord's standard. I want you to hear me. Anybody ever ask? Or don't ask. <laughs> Too many times we sign our names to papers and it's just that, a signature. To say, this is what I am. A marriage is a covenant under Almighty God. Which means to seal her is this. To seal her, which not only is a covenant... Listen to me. It is not only a covenant, but it is a sacrificial seal where you give up yourself for someone else. That's what marriage is. You giving yourself up for someone else. People get married for so many reasons. Maybe it's escapism, have a bad home life or family. Maybe it's money. Some kind of materialism. Maybe it's lust. I don't know what it may be, but I'm going to tell you this. That it is not only a covenant that is bound in the eyes of God. It is a sacrifice. Too many people say they want to be married and be single too. You can't. For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and they will become flesh. One. It is a covenant. And she's saying, put a seal over your heart like a seal on your arm. You see, what's very interesting, we look at seals. Seal's a signet. You have a seal, and you have a seal-er. Okay? When Jesus was buried in the tomb, it was sealed, right? That seal meant what? Don't you dare break it. It's not only a seal... It's not only a covenant, not only a sacrifice, but look at the next verse. 
For love is as strong as death. Jealousy is severe as Sheol. You know what it's saying right here? It is to be permanent. Marriage love, it is permanent. It is known for its permanence and its strength. Why? Chad, that makes no sense to me. Death is very strong. Why? Because we're all going to experience it. Used to be an old saying, all you got to do is pay taxes and die. You ain't got to pay taxes, but you got to die. Every one of you, we've all experienced death. Let me give you a reality. I always do this because I want to make it certain everybody gets it. The statistics still show that one out of every one person dies. The same coffins that held your loved ones will one day hold yours. That's a mathematical fact. You're going to die. And that love, in other words, what is being said here in verse 6, the latter part, let me give it to you. Till death do us part. Marriage is to be permanent. It is to be permanent. Listen. Just like death and the grave are permanent, so is to be the love of marriage. Look at the next verse. It flashes. Our flashes of fire, very flame of the Lord. Love is the most glowing of all flames. You hear me? It's the most glowing of all flames. It cannot be extinguished, as Spurgeon said, because this love originates from God. That's powerful. The one who showed the greatest love for us. I'll move on to that in just a few moments. But is the most powerful of all flames, love. You know, I think about this. Not only do flames purify, they destroy. They burn up. They consume. You know, it's quite often funny to me. I ask many people when they're getting married, what does love mean? You'd be surprised what answers I get. Let me tell you something. Do you want to see what true love is represented by the Word of God? Look to Jesus. That's true love. And that same love that He reflected upon us, yet we did not deserve it. That He sealed us when we were saved. That that love perseveres to the end. That that love consumes us. And yes, it does destroy. For the love of Christ will destroy relationships with those that are not right with Him. You hear me? Love will also destroy those that think, listen, that they're finding true love when they're marrying for different reasons. If it is true love that is orchestrated from the Word of God, it is strong, it is permanent, and there's nothing going to stop it. Many waters can quench love, cannot quench love, nor will rivers overflow it. Let me tell you something, married people. Listen to me. 
we all have trouble. We're not always going to see eye to eye. But there's no problem in marriage that is too great for God to handle. You hear me? Y'all are awful quiet today. Because the love that a woman has and a husband have for each other that is rooted in Scripture and rooted on the foundation of Christ, I can promise you, no matter what trouble it is, Christ will see you through it. Please trust me on this. Many waters cannot quench it, nor rivers overflow it. Now listen to this. If a man were to give all the riches of his house for love, it would utterly be despised. In the words of the great theologian, intimacy can be bought, but love can't. You hear me? Intimacy can be bought, but love can't. Because love is the truly one thing you cannot buy. So let me connect all this to bring another point to you. To love your wife as Christ loves the church is this. Number one, he was willing to give himself up for you. That that you did not deserve, he did willfully. The Bible tells me that I have been sealed. That God made me, Jesus saved me, and the Holy Spirit has sealed me. Which means it's something that no matter what anybody throw at me, no matter what it is, because my foundation is on the rock of Jesus Christ, there's nothing can shake me off of it. Because I've been signed and sealed and delivered by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It tells me also that in my life I will have trouble. Jesus said this. We're not guaranteed a life free of trouble. Your marriage is not guaranteed a life free of trouble. Your children are not guaranteed a life full of, free of trouble. You will have trouble. But Christ will overcome trouble. He is greater than that. In His love, just like in the marriage, His love for us is strong as death. You see, let me explain this to you. Every one of us, life's going to treat every one of us differently. But death's going to treat us all the same. And for those who place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I believe this with all my heart. Just like in the marriage, we're to say that death do us part with Christ to the death to us join. Amen. Because I know without a shadow of a doubt, I have been saved by the blood of the Lamb. And when I leave this earth and I take my last breath on this earth, I'll take my first glimpse of heaven. And that's not anything that anybody can take away from me nor you either if you're in Christ. We may be departed by death, me and my wife. One day I'm going to leave this world, so is she. One may leave before the other. I don't know. 
But Christ will sustain me, and one day we'll meet again. You know, there's no greater joy than knowing that when I leave this earth, I'll be in the presence of Jesus Christ. Many waters, can, cannot, many waters cannot quench it, nor will the rivers overflow it. There is nothing greater than the love of God, and there's nothing that can stop it. You know, one of my favorite songs is called The Love of God. I don't know that we've sung it here. I don't know if we ever know it, but I'll tell you this. It is a very beautiful song. And the verses of the second one go like this. It, if it, how is, okay. So if we, if we, the ocean fill with ink and of skies, the parchment's made, though every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. That's the love of God. That last verse was written by a person in a psychiatric ward. The poem was written on a wall by a man who had come to his self and had many problems, but yet in the depths of his heart, he knew who God was and knew no matter what he had been or what he had been through, that God is faithful, just, and will forgive of all things. That's the love of God. That that which we did not deserve, God gave to us. That's called grace. Knowing that we did not deserve it is called also mercy. That's how you love in your marriage as Christ loved the church. Women, that's how you submit. Not because of something that you do for the very sake of doing it, because what you do, you do for the glory of God. And I can promise you, if every marriage was based on the foundation that has been set by the Lord God Almighty, we would see the divorce rate dwindle in a heartbeat. Brothers and sisters, these are difficult things. But I'm tired as a pastor. I'm tired of hearing people say, the world's falling apart. The church is falling apart. Everything's falling apart. It's whoa, 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 whoa. Get right with Jesus. I promise you he'll hold it together. It's so discouraging that you hear statistics and you hear people say, well, the same thing that is going on in the church is going on in the world. Let me tell you a little secret. We have to be careful with this. Because the church, the ecclesia, the very, very body of Christ is a holy thing. And it's untainted. There are congregations. But like I said, there's not a lot of churches. What do you mean? Just like the theologian said, there's not a lot of churches in America. There's a lot of buildings with manicured lawns. The church is the body of born-again believers in Jesus Christ, ecclesia. It also is the local autonomous body that meets to celebrate and worship and grow in Christ. Amen?
There's a big difference. So let us learn from this. Number one. I know a lot of numbers this morning. I encourage you to go to the Song of Solomon and read it. You will see what true intimacy looks like. Yes, it's graphic. But I can tell you this. There's nothing more beautiful than the marriage bed. Don't let the world taint it. Number two, brothers and sisters, please, teach your children. Teach them. Don't let the world teach them. You see what's happening now? It is not the church's job to instruct your kids. It's not the school's job. It's yours as the parent. Amen? Didn't get much out of that. We're a supplement. True families and the true word of Christ needs to start in the home. Number three, listen to me. Grow with each other in Christ. You see, as we're getting the Song of Solomon 8, as the marriage is matured, like I said before when we began this, I still think my wife is just as beautiful as she was 33 years ago when I met her. You know why? That's who God put in my life. She is a person created in the image of Almighty Christ that I think is beautiful. Again, like I said before, she don't have the jet black hair and the big eyebrows or big eyelashes, as we laughed about. I'm 150 pounds heavier. I've lost all my hair. I just don't feel good anymore. <laughs> but you know what? What God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Let no man put asunder. And when I said to death do us part, I meant it. Number four, listen to me. Brothers and sisters, you're going to have trouble. It's going to come into your marriage. It's going to come into your lives. You seek biblical wisdom, and if need be, you seek biblical counsel. It's going to happen. You're going to have trouble in your marriage. You say, well, I hadn't had any yet. You will. You see, I tell people this often as, as a born-again believer. One of my things, and I'm not trying to go off on a tangent, but I want you to listen to me. One of my things that I don't like, and everybody that's known me a long time know, I'm not a health, wealth, prosperity guy. I believe that's junk. Okay? Because God never promised us we'd be healthy. Nobody, God never promised us we'd be wealthy. He never said that. He said in this life you will have trouble. Okay? And this is the way I like to put it to everybody. Okay? Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Either you headed for a furnace, you're in the furnace, or you're coming out of it. And that's a mathematical fact. You're either headed for the furnace, you're in the midst of the furnace, or you're coming out of it. But here's what's beautiful about this. There was a fourth man in the fire. His name is Christ. He will walk with you. The same Jesus Christ that has saved you will sustain you. And in your marriages, you will have a furnace. But God will sustain you, believe me.
And number five, listen to me. Listen to me. It's not said here, but I want you to hear me. Families make church a priority. So Chad, is that a pitch to get everybody to come here? No, get somewhere. Bloom where you planted. I'm not in competition with a soul. But I do care where people do where people go. I do care. Brothers and sisters, there is no greater joy that can be found than when you come together with God's people to study His Word, that strengthens your families. It strengthens your marriage because you know what? There's people just like you here. Look, I, no, I'm not going to go there. But anyway, I look forward to corporate worship and fellowship because I know that the same God who has sustained me through my marriage can sustain somebody else in theirs. And we can grow. Do you know why the word saint is not, sing or is not, is not singular in the New Testament? It's saints. Why? Because we need one another. We were created the community together. Make church a priority. Joshua made it very clear. Choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for all that you've done. God, I pray that you would use us again for your glory. That, Lord, we would learn through the Song of Solomon that love is a beautiful thing in a married life. But, Lord, you are the author of love. And such great love was given that while we were yet sinners, your son Christ died for us. God, I pray today that if there's one right here today that does not have a relationship with you, that they would be convicted before us eternally too late. Lord, we don't know how we're going to leave this earth, but Lord, we can know when we... We don't know how we're going to leave this earth, but we can know how we leave it. The Bible tells me that whosoever shall call upon your name shall be saved. Lord, your word says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him would not perish. Not believe that. Not believe that. That you exist. God, devils believe and they tremble. But Lord, believing means to commit. To commit means to turn from your sin and place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, who will lead you, who will clean you, and who will sustain you. God, I pray first and foremost, for salvations. God, I pray if there be a marriage struggling today, that, Lord, you would renew it, strengthen it, Lord. Provide those around them that would help them grow. Lord, that they would get involved with the Word. If there's parents struggling with raising kids and the fear and admonition of the Lord, the Lord, you would embolden them, strengthen them, send people to help grow and teach them. God, that's what we're here for. We are here to make disciples. I'm a shepherd. I do not reproduce sheep. Sheep reproduce sheep. We're to grow together and help one another together 
and learn together that we may teach others. God, I pray that in all that we do, you would be glorified. For you alone are worthy, O Lord.